Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. All right, welcome back to the show, Money Grows on Trees podcast. My name's Lloyd Ross, and I have the absolute pleasure, honor uh, to introduce this very, very, very special guest. Uh, I, I think I've been waiting since my teens to be able to talk to this woman, which is incredible. Right? I've been very patient, but here is the day. Um, as you know, on our podcast, we don't have many guests on. We, we save uh, the guest spots for the very special people. So this particular lady, she's a New York Times Five times best-selling author. She's the co-author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which has sold over 30 million copies. Is arguably the greatest personal finance book ever written. She's written 14 other Rich Dad books. She's the author of Think and Grow Rich for Women. She's the co-author of Three Feet from Gold, Outwitting the Devil, Success and Something Greater, all in cooperation with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. She's delivered over a 1,000 keynotes on personal finance and success She's a role model, an amazing entrepreneur, a financial literacy and growth expert, and truly inspiring. It is none other than Sharon Lichter. What a nice introduction. Thank you, Lloyd. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you Thank so much. You betcha. So um, I'm obviously, I said in the introduction, I'm very, very excited for this because I've been waiting a long time. So I know our audience would love to hear from you, but not only because I'm sure that have read one of your books at some point, and if they haven't, they ought to, and they, they will by the end of this episode. But uh, being a, a a very successful female entrepreneur over this the last few decades, I think it's just uh, I, I just love to hear some of your story. I'm sure they would too, as to some of the successes you've had, the setbacks, and uh, you know tap into your wisdom. So, with that said, can you please tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and what what was it that made you decide to become an entrepreneur? Well, it's a great question, Lloyd. I'll start. I'll, I'll try and give you the the short version since I've been around a long time. Sure. I grew up in a very lower middle class home. My parents, neither one of them had a high school education. My dad was career Navy. Um, and we lived in a little tiny house between my mom's beauty shop and my dad's used car lot. And I was embarrassed by where we lived. We also had lots of real estate. So I've been in real estate investing since I was 10. I used to have to go scrub out the bathrooms between tenants. And then we also orange, orange grove. My and at the dinner table, we would talk about things like cash flow, appreciation, mm. assets. I did not know until much later in my life that that was very unusual. Most people didn't understand, didn't talk about money. And so my friends, their parents were CEOs, military officers. So I was kind of embarrassed. I was going to be a a respected professional. So I was one of the very few, few women in my accounting classes. And then I was one of the very first women entering public accounting back in the mid seventies. And I thought I had the life, you know, the, the, the perfect life. I was young, single and an upwardly mobile, mobile career, making a lot of money at that time. And I was miserable. So at the, about the age of 25, my parents started looking a whole lot smarter because I wasn't in control <laughs> of my life. Okay. And I got this phone call from a client inviting me to go with him. He was buying a company out of out of bankruptcy. 
And um, I, I still remember going back to my condo doing the old pros and cons because this was before cell phones, before PCs. And my hand took off and wrote across the top of the page, why not? Mm. Why not do something different? Why not own a piece of the rock? Why not um, take the path less traveled? So I made the decision to leave public accounting and go with him. And I've really never looked back. But within a few short weeks of that decision, arriving at this company, I found all kinds of mismanagement of the financials. And so I was terrified I was going to lose my newly minted CPA certificate. And I went away on vacation for a couple of days trying to figure out my next steps and came back. And there was a young attorney there that was part of the litigation the company had been in. And um, I met him. His name was Michael Lecter. And so we've been together over 43 years. Wow. So I, Napoleon Hill often says, out of every adversity comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. Well, my worst business decision, probably till till even today, my worst business decision gave me my best life decision. Wow. My life partner. So it was wow. love at first sight. You know, it was delivered by God, I believe. And uh, so we started, uh, we got married, had kids, and our children didn't like to read. And I met the inventor of the first talking children's book, the book that had the sound strips down the side. Okay. And um, we said, well, at that time, and I know it's so hard to believe, late 80s, kids um, didn't have electronics. They didn't have yeah. screens. Yeah. And um, all of a sudden, we're putting electronics in their hands. So we needed parents to trust us. So we partnered with little companies like Disney, Warner Brothers, Sesame Street, Marvel Comics, and so we were able to explode that business around the world. From we thought we were hot stuff the first year, <laughs> one million in sales. Then wow. we went to 20, we went to nine million, then twenty three, then fifty two million, and we sold that company um, in the middle of our fourth year. And that's when I re- moved here to Arizona. And we've been here thirty two years. So it's been a while. Wow. And then our oldest son went off to college in nineteen ninety two, and. Um, left in September, came home in December, and he told us he was in credit card debt. We didn't even know he had credit cards. He got to college mm-hmm. campus and there were tables, free pizza, free money, free t-shirt, free money. So he had a really good time his first semester in college. And I was <laughs> livid. I was so livid with him and with myself. I thought I'd talk to him, taught him about money. I taught him the things my parents taught me. Yeah. But he got himself in debt. And that was December of 1992. And it's important, Lloyd, because that's when I dedicated the rest of my career to financial education. And I started working with school systems, started trying to get finance. Because being in public accounting, I saw how so many companies succeeded, how they did things right. But probably more importantly, I saw many of them did things wrong. Yes. Also, in the world of personal finance, I saw so many people struggling. And I knew the lessons that I had learned. Yep. were something that needed to be broadcasted and our kids needed to be taught financial education. So that started my journey. Fast forward a few years, my husband called me and said, um, this, he invited me to the beta test. Um, yeah. This guy gone in his office and flip-flops and a Bermuda short. And so it was the beta test for the board game cash flow. Uh-huh. And I was the first one and to see it, first one to get out of the rat race. And it was exactly what I was teaching. Wow. And so I volunteered to help Robert bring it to, to make it commercialized. Yes. 
because of my contacts with the Talking Children's book. And so with the, as we were, were ready to get the Cashflow 101 game done, he told me he was going to charge $200 for it. And I said, that's kind of pricey. We're talking yeah. 96 So maybe you should write a brochure that explains the philosophy of the game that would convince people to buy it. Yep. And that's when he asked me to become his partner. And uh-huh. together we wrote that brochure and that brochure was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So we never intended it to take on the life of its own that it did. <laughs> and we only intended to write the one book. And then all wow. of a sudden we, we said, well, we'll do a trilogy. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, Rich yeah. Dad's Guide to Investing. Yeah. We thought we were done. Oh, no. So over the 10 <laughs> years we were partners, we wrote 15 books together. Incredible. And I launched the secondary series of Rich Dad Advisors, where I brought in content area experts to share their knowledge and their specific areas of expertise. So in the process, we ended up um, in over 110 countries and over 50 languages, and it was, we really took the world by storm. It became the largest personal finance brand in the world. And it was because of people like you who and shared it with other friends because it was before yeah. Amazon, hard to believe, a time before Amazon, <laughs> yeah. before the internet. It was the true viral marketing of word yeah. of mouth. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting you bring that up because, I mean, th- this book that you wrote with Robert, what's really interesting is I'm in Australia. And I'm in grade 10 English class. <laughs> and my English teacher says to us, gentlemen, before you leave school, you need to read this book. And he, he said, rich dad, poor dad. So you think about that. A, a, an English class in Australia has impacted me. And then I've gone on to do other things and create this podcast all because of what you guys did back in the early 90s. So it's incredible. Well, I, let me add to that. On 9-11, um, Mike and I were in China. And in Beijing, and um, of course, there were like thir- over 30 companies in the World Trade Center from China. Yeah. And so that country shut down as well. And I was supposed to speak at, at Beijing University. And um, so it was all delayed for at least 24 hours. Yep. And so Mike and I were walking around and there was a bunch of schoolgirls in their little uniforms, probably looked like eighth, ninth grade, <laughs> running up to us wanting to practice their English. Okay. And um, they said well, they were reading a book and in school, and they it's called Rich Dad Poor Dad. And Mike asked him if they had one, and the little girl pulled it out of her backpack, and he flipped it over, and he said, "See this?" And my picture was wow. There. And I, back then we didn't have cell phone cameras, right? So it was yeah. like all these little girls were jumping out. It was just <laughs> it was an experience you never forget. So, you would never. It's unbelievable in Japan. Like it's just. Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. I think it's uh, it, it must be a strange experience to to have that. Well, you happen. never you never tire of seeing your books in the bookstore. Oh. You never tire of seeing them in the airports. Um, it's just you know it's a it's an incredible experience to know that people's lives are being impact, impacted by something that you've shared. So Absolutely. thank you, thank you for telling me that, and thank you to your teacher. Hey, this yeah. individual is listening to this. Thank you. All right. I must send him the episode. I will. I'll track him down. I'll send it to him. So, but uh, it's wonderful. And I mean, it's, it seems like you went from success to success and it, it skyrocketed at that point. Um, but did you face, I mean, you did mention you faced some adversity and it was your worst decision or worst experience, but also best experience. What other challenges have you faced or is there any particular challenge you faced that, that you can think of that you overcame or, 
you can perhaps teach us what you learned from that experience? Um, sure. There's, well, there's a business, one more business, and then I'll talk about the biggest, biggest um, adversity in my life. I am, um, after the Talking Children's book, we moved down to Arizona, but the, there was another inventor that had created a book that you would touch the pages. And it was a novel concept. It was wonderful. We supported getting his um, patent right written and I was um, leading the company, but the quality wasn't where it needed to be. And then he brought somebody in with money who was not um, at the level of integrity that, that I would have expected. And yeah. so it was it was very frustrating, very sad, but I had to leave because I said, you know, I walked in with my integrity, I'm walking out with it. So it was a, it's a lesson in standing in your truth. And that um, that happened be- right before I, I met Robert and we started Rich Dad. But um, then at the at the end of the 10 years that we had been partners and I we co-owned the company, um, things had changed and he was not on the same mission I was on anymore. He wanted to do franchising, which was a good, good financial decision for us, but not for the franchisee. So I couldn't support it. So I made the decision to leave and it was very stressful. We were in litigation for a year, but um, he settled and I didn't, I thought Rich Dad was my legacy. Yeah. But um, somebody upstairs had something else in mind. So a few months later, I got a phone call from President Bush asking me to be on the first President's Advisory Council for Financial Literacy. And I served both President Bush and Obama. Wow. And Lloyd, I would not have had that call had I still been at Rich Dad. So you yeah, just yeah. never know. Sometimes you have to close a door for other doors yeah. to open. Absolutely. And it was a few months after that, March of 08, we know what's happening to the economy worldwide. I got the phone call from Don Green, who's the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And um, I certainly would not have had that phone call had it not. I'm certainly not that one. Yeah. And you- uh, he, 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 we knew each other just because we were in the same industry and we'd oh. see each other at book fairs. And when he found out that I had left Rich Dad, um, he opened the world of helping me. He asked me to help reinvigorate Napoleon Hill's teachings for the modern reader because many people didn't know who he was and never heard of Think and Grow Rich. And it was so important at that time that people get that information. And so that was a huge honor um, to bring out Three Feet from Gold and then Outwitting the Devil, which was his original manuscript that nobody had ever seen. I had the incredible honor to read it and and bring it to the world. And then uh, right after that, to actually write Think and Grow Rich for Women and then Success and Something Greater. And so that relationship, that association is very, very important. And then my most recent book with Ink Magazine was called Exit Rich. Which yeah, is so I'm re- reading that right now. <laughs> good, good. Well, so many companies are not structured appropriately. Yeah. And they think they're ready to sell and they find out that it's not valued at the level they think it is. Their perception is all wrong because they haven't taken the steps to build the strong foundation of the business. And so... Um, I, I, I do a lot of one-on-one mentoring with people, high-level mentoring. My husband and I have an online course called The Essential Components of a Successful Business. But I wanted to bring the information down so that anybody could afford it because that's really my mission in life. So okay. that's what we wrote, Exit Rich, so people could see the basic elements they need to follow to build a really strong business. So yeah. I think it brings, brings it to where I am today. But as I said, sometimes you have to close the door and you don't, you know, I thought Rich Dad was my legacy. No, it was just a stepping stone. And continue every single day. I grew up with a dad who would ask me at night, Sharon, have you added value to someone's life today? 
And that really is my mission every single day to make sure I've added value to someone. I love that. It's it's incredible. What a great uh, way to, a great question to ask or a statement to make, you know, as, you, as you're a young person to hear that. I think it was probably embedded in you, obviously. So every time you went out to the day, you, you obviously- I'm insane about it, yeah. Yeah, it's just really ingrained in you, right? So it's just your motto, your oath you live by. And I can see that that's obviously created the success you have. I love your story because I. it seems to me every time you do, you know, overcome a sub- substantial challenge, great doors open. And I think that's a wonderful lesson for people to realize too, that, you know, every every door when it closes another one opens um people don't realize that i suppose until they're on the journey of success and experience it yeah. for themselves it seems like it's you're on the wrong path why didn't this happen but but eventually it, it does transpire that way because it's happened to me too so yeah wonderful. well we all have things i mean the worst thing that's ever happened to me that put everything into perspective of course is i lost my son 10 years ago and um we're not supposed to outlive our children and that really things that used to upset me stress me out they don't anymore because mm-hmm. you know that when you think about your life it's not just what you do for income it's what you do for your heart and with your family and your loved ones and uh, live every day as if it's your last yeah yeah there you go really put, brings everything in perspective no doubt about that do you think Sharon that people probably I don't think they follow their purpose or their heart. It seems to be like a lot of people don't. Certainly some people do. Um, but what do you think it is that prevents people from from really finding what they're supposed to be doing? It's all about fear. You know, the Three Feet from Gold, which is the first book that I wrote with Napoleon Hill, yeah. um, I released something called the Personal Success Equation. And you can go to personalsuccessequation.com to get a free download to really analyze your own life. But it's, it, the formula is P plus T, your passion, and sometimes it's from what makes you mad or what you want to love yeah. to do, your talent. For me, it was my years in publishing, my years as a, as a CPA. I could combine that. And most of us stop there thinking we have to do everything on our own. But true success comes from times A, association, taking yes. what, you, what your passion is, what you know, and aligning with the right people with the right resources, having the right mentor, and then times a taking action. How many times do we know what we're supposed to do? We just don't do it. Yes. Passion, talent, association, action, and then plus faith, faith in yourself, faith in what you're doing, faith that is needed and necessary and faith that you will succeed. And for most people that faith, that F is actually fear, and that's what keeps them from creating success. And when I start working with someone, I go through that formula with them, and it's usually the power of association that needs the most concentrated work and their faith in themselves. And they go hand in hand. When you have the right people around, you have the right mentor, and you have a bad day, they won't let you stay there. They're going to lift you up. Yes. Personal success equation, it's a, a grounding element for you to analyze. And what happens, the companies grow and they succeed and then they plateau. And that happens because they haven't continued expanding their associations. Yes. And so the, these simple elements can make a huge difference in, in your business and the direction that you're going to go. So the personal success equation is something I recommend everybody review. Fantastic. Well, I'm going to put that link to the personal success equation into the show notes. So if you can go and click on that, you'll be able to go through that and tap into Sharon's wisdom there. Because it is a big thing that 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 I encounter too when I'm talking to people. They 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 want to increase their income. 
that seems to be the major problem right now with inflation is increasing income, but they're not too sure how to do it, what aligns with their values, because of course, exactly what you said, it's the fear. It's the fear yeah. that prevents and that them. Fear, you know, um, that I mentioned briefly the book Outwitting the Devil. Um, okay. Napoleon Hill released Think and Grow Rich in 1937. And yeah, he, wow. when he was done, it was a 25-year initiative. He said, he was frustrated because he said, here's the term paper, the thesis for success, yeah. and people will read it and not do anything. There you go. And so he sat down in 1938 and wrote this manuscript called Outwitting the Devil. And the title scared his wife to death. She worked for the Presbyterian College. And so it was locked away for 73 years. And I had the incredible honor of being probably only the fourth or fifth human to actually read it and saw his, it was typed on a manual typewriter and he had handwritten notes in the margins. It was just an amazing opportunity. And I had the ability to bring that to the public. And I think, I think there was a greater work hand at work because um, I think it was meant to wait to come yeah. out in today's environment because it may have stilted the success of Think or Grow Rich. Who knows? But Man. it really is. It it really takes fear head on, and it, it he addresses every taboo in our society: sex, politics, religion, education, yeah. what you what you eat, what you drink, and it's about how we allow fear to paralyze us and keep us from achieving and how we can get past that. And yeah. he goes to a seven step formula on how you can overcome your fear. There you go. Excellent. Well, there it is outwitting the devil. What I, what I love about that is that Andrew Carnegie, who's the second wealthiest man in history, engaged Napoleon Hill to go out and put this success formula together by interviewing all these people and coming up with the success formula. And then they engaged you <laughs> to bring this message to life, which is what a what a what a legacy that is. Like it's like a one degree of separation from Andrew Carnegie. Like it's just amazing. So I'm oh, you know, I actually haven't read that book, Outwitting the Devil. I, oh, you have to I've never you read it. To. I'm going to now. So thank and you. You have for to and read it and get the audiobook because okay. the audiobook, I made them get two different actors to read it yeah. because it's an interrogation of the devil. And wow. Apollonio says you can believe it's the real devil or the imaginary one in your brain. Yes. But will you derive any benefit from it? So I had Michael Beckwith write the afterword to give me a little ministerial coverage here. But um, so, but the voices, I said I had to have a special voice for the devil. And it's real low and grovelly. And I, people call me all the time about how. <laughs> impactful the audio book is so. okay i'll get the audio then yeah there you go so book and audio outwitting the devil i'm excited to read it. it's going to be fantastic but i i think it's uh i'm going to obviously encourage others to read it too because it is the fear component that holds them back from making more money but um what do you what do you think uh what what do you feel like after your years of of, of experience in financial education do you feel like uh the world or, or what what do you think you're what are your feelings around the current state of the world's financial literacy is right now? Well, it's dismal. It really is. Is I'm still fighting the fight. I won't mm-hmm. give up. Um, we did. I got the law changed here in the state of Arizona to require financial literacy for high school education for graduation. When I was on the President's Council, we passed the Credit Card Act of 2009, which prohibits credit card companies from soliciting kids on college campuses. Oh, I can't take credit for the bill, but I can make a squeaky wheel. So, but it's proof positive that one person can make a difference. Well, you know, if you're passionate about something, take action, do something about it. And um, and that's, in essence, what I did 
um, three years ago when COVID hit. I was mad at the negativity, the craziness that was yeah. happening in the world. And so when I get mad, I usually start a new company. And <laughs> this one was to counterbalance all that negativity. So I do, it's called ATMs, it's ATM deposit uh, um, after the bank ATMs, but this is for your mind, abundance tips and mentorship. And it's a oh. daily message. I've done 1300 of them. So we're continuing to um, just pour into people positivity, giving that positive oh. message because your mind can't hold positive and negative at the same time. Mm. And so it's like eight bucks a month, which is what I pay to have it managed on the other end, but it's atm.sharonlector.com. And it's really, it's such, um, it's a heartfelt mission of mine to help people have that belief in themselves. At the end of every single one of them, I say, you're fabulous. Say it with me. I am fabulous. Just to people to start their day a little taller, a little happier, and it helps them keep put that like cone of protection on from all the negativity around them. Yes. Yeah. Someone did tell me once that you cannot live in anxiety and gratitude at the same time. So if they go and engage in this, what you have, so how do they get, how do they get to the ATM? Sharon, is there a website? Um, well, you can go to my website, SharonLector.com, or you can okay. go directly to atm.sharonlector.com. Okay. Excellent. So if you go there, you're going to be able to have the affirmations coming into you. Is it daily affirmations? Yes. Wow. There you go. Fantastic. Seven, seven days a week. Yeah. So what a great way to start off your day, uh, having that coming into your to your inbox. It's fantastic. I love it. ATM. So Sharon, uh, I have one, one more question for you. With what's going on in the world and all the people you mentor and all the experience you've had and uh, what you see out there, when it comes to personal finance and those who are wanting to improve their personal finance, those who are listening to this show, what would be your number one piece of advice for them? Well, you are the CEO of your own life. Um, your your balance sheet is your business, right? You're an entrepreneur, whether you want to be or not, because it's your personal financial statement that you are in charge of. And it doesn't matter what you do for your paycheck. It's not what you do for your paycheck. It's what you do with your paycheck that determines your financial future. And learn to say one word, assets, right? Assets are sexy, Buy, build, and create income-producing assets. You are financially free when the income from your assets exceeds your monthly expenses. And it does not have to be millions of dollars. When I met Robert, he was living in a two-bedroom condo and had two small apartment complexes. He was making $100,000 a year in passive income. His expenses were around $35,000, $36,000. He was financially free. That was the message I wanted to tell the world. Yes. It, you don't have to have multi-millions of dollars to be financially free. Yes. Start buying, building, and creating assets, businesses, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, um, intellectual property, real estate, right? All those that generate income and that will help give you that foundation of financial relief, not stress. Yes, I love that financial relief and peace. What I love about that is that if you play the board game, your board game cash flow, and you draw the janitor card, it's actually easier, I think, to get out of the rat race because you, your expenses are lower. So I love that you can go and buy the assets. And I love that Robert, you know, had a hundred thousand a year passive income, 36,000 expenses and achieved it. So it really is achievable for people to be financially independent. 
I love that message. And I love all your messages and I love what you're doing. I love that you're fighting the fight. I'm trying, I'm fighting here with you, which is, uh, is a lot of fun. I don't know if you, I'm down here in Australia fighting the fight of financial literacy. So, um, Sharon, I just want to say thanks so much for being on the show. Really appreciate your time. And, uh, I'm going to put all those links into the show notes, guys. So go and jump in all of them, engage in Sharon and, uh, let's, let's create more financial independence in the world. Reach out to me, info at Sharon Lecter, my site, my website, all social media, Sharon Lecter. And I, I really appreciate you, Lloyd, for doing this. I'm always looking for the, that younger generation that's going to carry on the mission. So you're it. Go Perfect. For it. I'm happy to be it. Let's go. I'll talk to you soon, Sharon. Thanks again. Joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at Lloyd James Ross. 